0: High Mirror by Phil Gott. Read by Dan Snellgrove. Chapter Twelve: The Fort Knox Oligarchy. Kip's eyes snapped open. He was flat on his back, his body listing from side to side. He was being carried on some kind of stretcher through a narrow canyon of crumpled, colour-splashed paint kettles. As Kip sat up, a gruff voice complained.
1: Do stop fidgeting. You're putting me off my stride.
0: We have to go back, we have to go back, we... Kip stopped as a number of details impressed themselves upon him, His transport wasn't a stretcher, but a large brown sofa. It resembled a kind of buffalo, a sofa-low, and he was on the creature's soft brown back. Bewildered, Kip tried to slow the spin of his thoughts. Jamie, where was Jamie been? Kip looked over his shoulder to find the other boy sitting astride another former sofa. Are you alright? Nodding, Jamie said, Where are they taking us? Kip turned back and wriggled his way towards the head of the sofa-low. Where are we going? I'm not supposed to talk to you, it replied. Please, my friend is in terrible trouble. He was attacked on the mountain. We have to go back. Then it's already too late. The concrete menagerie leaves no one alive. Your friend is dead. Kip's heart went cold. He opened his mouth, but no words would come. Jamie was shouting suddenly, and now Kip saw it too. A great silver cloud before them that whirled in quick sparkling circles. The cloud raced towards them. A whirling filled the air. As the cloud engulfed them, Kip closed his eyes and curled into a protective ball. He felt the pricking of sharp little claws and things tangling with his hair. He began to swat at the air with his hands. I'll do stop fussing, grumbled the sofa low. They won't harm you. Kip opened his eyes to find the air thronging with thousands of tiny silver birds. They encircled his head, taking turns to snip at his fringe with their beaks and cut away loose threads hanging from the sofa low's flank. Some hopped along the canyon floor, kicking up dust in puffs and weaving daringly between the heavy tread of the sofa-low. Jamie, who was similarly covered in a bustling canopy of the little birds, cried, ''What are they?'' ''Vanity sparrows,'' answered the sofa low, ''But what are they?''
1: Huh?
0: the sofalo grunted. Kip better understood the other boy's question. He could have told Jamie how the multitude of silver birds had started life as pairs of scissors and how an object became a half-act and how a half-act became a metamorph. Even so, the whole idea seemed impossible and Kip had to keep from crying. This strange world seemed too strange without Atticus weft. At that moment, the vanity sparrows took fright startled into the air by the arrival of a gang of menacing-looking metamorphs. With their square shoulders and short squat legs, they resembled a rugby scrum of leather armchairs. But with their low-slung heads and massive forearms, they moved like apes. Arrest them, (laughs) the largest of them commanded. The two boys were dragged from the sofa lows and frog-marched onto the approach road to a city that glittered with soaring shelf-like structures comprised of struts, platforms and joists. Above it, a dense traffic of creatures discoloured the sky. Vast flocks of vanity sparrows wheeled and dived, flashing like lightning – Kip and Jamie were given no time to take in the view, and their protests went ignored. At the city gates, the gang of armchair apes disbanded, leaving one particularly bad-tempered specimen to escort the boys through the crowded streets. Their simian chaperone assured them he would happily break their necks if they tried anything funny. Kip and Jamie believed him. They passed long parades of lockers, opened to reveal shopping baskets heaped with table legs, sofa-low pelts, and chunks of yellow foam. Above each were advertisements picked out in flashing lights. One read, Extend your shelf life with Auntie Macassar's replacement parts. Another asked, Feeling threadbare? "'Let messes re-up and holster bolster your confidence.'" A hoarding hanging above a series of lockers containing baskets of doll parts read, "'Look more attractive instantly. Get a new head.'" Other signs promoted varnishing salons, offering deep oak, rosewood, and mahogany for that healthy-just-arrived-from-the-elsewhere-world glow. They now arrived... In a large open square, surrounded on three of its sides by formal rows of orange feather dusters. In the middle of the square was a large crystalline structure made entirely of glass display cases, some square, some cylindrical, with bell jars on its roof. Lit from within, the building sparkled in hues of ice green and frosty blue. Thousands of objects surrounded the building, their elsewhere lights combining to create a dazzling display. Kip stopped and stared. Keep moving, <laughs> said the armchair ape, marching the two boys away from the Temple of Miscellany and the assembled cavalcade, and along another street that ended at the foot of a grand staircase. At its summit was an enormous pyramid of strong boxes, coffers and caskets. (laughs) Up there, commanded the armchair ape, the leathery creature hurrying the boys towards a large green safe at the top of the stairs. With a click and blast of cold air, the door to the safe swung open. Inside, the armchair ape ordered them both. The two boys were taken into a large circular room and left there. Dozens of angle-poised lamps sprang from the floor to create a ring around Kip and Jamie, caging them. The lights came on in quick succession before tilting their shades to illuminate the cavernous space above. From where? Three metal crates now descended on lengths of chain, which alighted on the floor with a clang. Kip and Jamie watched in dread as the door to the first of the crates swung back on its hinges, its interior swirled with what looked like smoke or steam, out of which a shape emerged and began at once to speak. Welcome To the Fort Knox Citadel, intoned the occupant of the crate, its accent rich and deep. I am Tsar Zamovar, president-elect of the Fort Knox Oligarchy, esteemed and munificent mayor of the city of Singopolis. Kip didn't know if he was supposed to reply. He did know it was rude to stare. It was difficult not to. Tsar Samovar had a small round head on a large pear-shaped body, four short arms and three bowed legs. The Tsar approached the two boys, his three elegantly shaped feet clicking noisily against the floor. Kip continued gawking, his attention drawn to the Tsar's ears, which were enormous, and stuck out from the side of his spherical head like handles. His nose resembled a large, old-fashioned tap, and every few seconds produced a sudden puff of steam. Kip was about to introduce himself when the doors to the second crate flew open, and out of it stepped a little girl with huge, blue, unblinking eyes, golden ringlets and a yellow velvet dress. She marched towards the two boys, elbowing the Tsar out of the way.
1: Welcome to the Fort Knox Citadel, she said. I am Polly Honeydew, and I am the president elect of the Fort Knox oligarchy and mayor of Fingopolis.
0: <laughs> the Tsar blew a disgusted snort of steam from the end of his nose. <laughs> Polly Honeydew turned and glared.
1: Sorry? Did you say something?
0: Inquired Polly Honeydew. But before the Tsar could respond, the third crate opened, releasing a swarm of iridescent insects into the air, which now formed themselves into a glittering face. Zzz, welcome to the Fort Canoc citadel Citadels, the insects droned in unison. Zzz. We are the Bijou Cabal and we are the president elect of the Fort Knox Oligarchies, we are the Mayor of Thingopolis
1: Oh really?
0: complained (laughs) Polly Honeydew.
1: I thought we all decided I was the prettiest and should be in charge? (laughs) I still remember the look on my owner's face when she first tore off the tissue paper, the way she hugged me and wouldn't let go. Even sitting me beside her at the table, insisting I have my own plate and helping a figgy pudding. <laughs> my dress was the envy of all the other dolls in the nursery!
0: Yes, yes, said the But I am the oldest member of the Fort Knox oligarchy. Before I was lost to Chimera, I belonged to an aristocratic family. I was the very heart of that great and noble dynasty. Powerful and influential people would gather around me to discuss serious and important matters. I have taken tea with philosophers, painters, and poets. I once scolded the lips of a great composer. As the Czar and Polly Honeydew continued to bicker, the insect face floated closer to the boys. The surface of the face rippled as the countless gold-coloured wasps, glossy onyx black beetles and peacock-blue butterflies buzzed, bobbed and vibrated. Ruby-red ladybirds jostled against sapphire-coloured locusts. Silver moths fluttered their wings in moonbright flashes. Only now did Kip understand. The Bijou Cabal was a vast collection of jewellery long since transformed. We used to belong to a movie stars, Gifts from admirers who worshipped us. A collection written about in newspapers. Envied by all. We came from all over the world. Pay tribute to her beauty. Parted for in the sand-swept bazaars of Cairo. Mined from beneath the red dusts of deserts.
1: And plucked from deep beneath azure oceans.
0: Bijou Cabal is the most valuable member of the Fort Knox oligarchies. We should be in charge,
1: fiddle sticks,
0: said Polly Honeydew. Ridiculous, agreed the Tsar.
1: You're nothing but a horrid cloud of creepy crawlies,
0: continued Polly Honeydew. And you sneered the bijou cabal.
1: I'm every little girl's best friend.
0: Once perhaps, but little girls grow up. Now then, said the Tsar, I insist you mind your manners. We don't take orders from a teapot, seethed the bijou cabal. Excuse me, said Kip. The three members of the Fort Knox oligarchy stopped their bickering and stared at him. Only, I was just wondering if you wanted to know who we are. You, (laughs) said Polly Honeydew.
1: We know who you are.
0: You do? Kip looked at Jamie hopefully. Of course, answered the Tsar. Your spies, sent here by Madame Chartreuse herself. ''No human child has ever escaped her collection. Obviously she sent you here to steal the clavis.'' ''Spies,'' said Kip, ''we were attacked by the concrete menagerie. We barely escaped with our lives.''
1: (laughs) ''Now we know you're lying,''
0: (laughs) said Polly Honeydew.
1: ''The concrete menagerie would have torn you to pieces.'' Sentence them at once!
0: With a loud click and screech of hinges, the floor dropped away and the two boys plunged into darkness.